This is the Humans of Gaming Podcast, an open and honest conversation about games, life, and belief. Dixon from Humans of Gaming here, the chief content nerd at Love Thy Nerd. This is part two of our PAX Unplugged designer interview series. So you're going to hear from some really amazing board game designers. You'll hear from uh, Isaac Vega, who worked on Starship Samurai and Dead of Winter. He's got a new game called Neon Gods. Uh, you'll hear from Cole Worley, who's made one of the most popular new games, a game that lots of people are really excited about called Root. Uh, you'll hear from Justin Swigert with Czech Games. Um, we talk with him about Trap Words, which is a super fun uh, word game that I played while I was at uh, Unplugged. One of my favorite games of the show. We'll hear from Chris Letter of Calliope Games. Uh, he is the director of Fun There, and they've got a new t- uh, Tesoro game coming out soon called Phoenix Rising that's really great that we looked at. You hear from Nozomi Obinata, who's with Itten. Uh, we talked to him about Stonehenge and Here Comes the Dog. You'll hear from Mark Spector and Josh Capel uh, with Grand Gamers Guild. They've got a new game called The Artemis Project that we chatted about. You also hear from Alexander Flanagan, who's head of game development at Golden Bell, and uh, and then finally from Kyle Nunn of of AEG from Alderac. Uh, they've got a great new game called Tiny Towns that we chatted with him about. So, uh, hope you've enjoyed these uh, Pax Unplugged podcasts. We're getting ready to go to Pax South, and we hope to do something similar there. This is a great way for us to just to get to know some game designers and hear their hearts and and what they're about and and why board games matter. Um, That's a big part of this one. And then when we go to PAX South, we'll talk about why do video games matter. So I hope you're enjoying this series, and uh, we'll see you next time. We'll be back for our regularly scheduled program basically next week. So uh, Merry Christmas. Hey, Drew Dixon from Love Thy Nerd here, and I'm here with Isaac Vega. He is the creator, uh, designer of Starship Samurai and some other games, right? Yeah, uh, I've designed Dead of Winter, Ashes, and the latest release is Neon Gods. Yeah, okay, well. yeah, I forgot Neon Gods is you. So yeah. you've done quite a bit in the industry. How did you get in? So um, I came back from college after dropping out, <laughs> and uh, all my friends that I played like Magic and the Dragon Ball Z card game with in high school had moved on to board games, and they introduced me into that world. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so much fun. I enjoy it so much. Yeah. Let me try to make one. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they got me into board games. I was having a, a great time playing them, so I thought I'd make one of my own. Yeah. And. Uh, Lo and behold, my mom randomly met someone who was starting a board game company at church and oh, told wow. me about it, and I went to go and meet with him, showed him uh, some of my games. Eventually, he liked one that I created and signed it, and since then, I've been working with Plat Hat Games ever since. Wow. So it's been about eight years since I've been a part of the industry. Yeah. Yeah. What, a, what a cool story. Yeah, I really, I really enjoy being part of the industry. It's really been like a new home for yeah. me, um, and I just I love making games. I still yeah. love it, and I'm surprised I still love it. It's yeah. The only job I've ever felt like this about. Right, yeah. I know we talked to a lot of creators who, um, I mean, this is a hard industry to get into, I think, now than maybe it used to be. There's a lot more competition now. Yeah. Um, well, I don't, I'd just be curious if you have advice for people, because obviously you've had a lot of success in this industry, like for people who are just getting started. I think the best advice is that keep making prototypes, 
get those things in front of other gamers and play, 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 play. The best thing to do is to fail and learn to fail quickly and understand what makes people enjoy your games. If everybody at the table is smiling and laughing and having a good time with each other, you're doing something right. So keep trying to get that feeling, and you're gonna you're gonna be able to succeed. Yeah, that's great. So tell me a little bit about Starship Samurai, which we're standing in front of here. Yeah. So Starship Samurai is an area control game. You are playing as one of these large factions uh, in the Lotus Galaxy, and each of you get to draft two giant samurai mechs in order to try to claim the throne of the Lotus Galaxy. You're going to be taking over different locations, and every time you claim a location, you'll be gaining uh, victory points. You'll be using, the, uh, and then you'll go ahead and use the different abilities and the action cards that you gain throughout the game um, in order to try to claim as many victory points as possible. What's really neat about the game is that every single turn, you have one of four different types of tokens that are numbered one through four and you get to choose one of those tokens and they amplify the action depending on the number. So let's say you want to move units. Do you want to move two units or do you want to move four units? You have to go ahead and choose which token you're going to utilize, but after you use that token, you no longer have that number in order to use it for any of the other actions that you have available to you. Yeah. So it's a it's a really fun little puzzle and it plays in about 90 minutes. Yeah, so it's a really yeah. quick area control cool. game. And then Neon Gods, your latest one, give us a quick pitch on that. Neon Gods is also an area control game, but what's cool about this one is that you're playing like in a like, kind of like uh, 80s version of the future world. Yeah. So it's you're all these gangs, and you're building up your gangs in this kind of deck building type of mechanic, and you're trying to take over different parts of the city yeah. by building different areas that you're trying to hold down and uh, utilizing your different gang members. Every single gang member that you draft is absolutely unique. So they all have different abilities that you can go ahead and utilize, and the game is really simple, also really fun. You can play it within uh, 90 minutes to two hours. Nice. And uh, if you had to narrow down to one thing that you hope players gain from their time playing the games that you make, what would it be? So for me, I love making worlds in a box. And what I want players to gather is a memory. Like yeah. that is my biggest hope, that players walk away making a memory, either making new friends, either making some sort of uh, event or action that happened in the game that they'll remember for the rest of their lives. I want people to just be brought together by my yeah. games and be able to see something that like, oh man, that was so awesome. I remember when this happened and just remember that for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say to someone maybe out there who's like coming across this video and is not into board games? Like why should people play board games? I think that in this world, the way things are right now, there's so many opportunities for us to disconnect from other people. Yeah. We're always, you know, on our phones, we're always looking at screens. It's board games are such an amazing way to connect with other human beings because it's just you guys, the table and yeah. some cardboard, and you, you're kind of forced to interact with people. Yeah. And there is a board game for every single human yeah. being. If you look at this hall and the amount of things that are going on, there are thousands of board games. And I think people really don't understand that. Yeah. There are thousands and thousands of board games that you guys can try out and enjoy, and there is definitely something for you. So get out there, try it out, have some fun, and enjoy the people around you. Yeah, and, and put your phone in another room or somewhere where it won't bother you yeah, and yeah. engage that. Yeah. yeah, and if you love your phone, there's some board games with that <laughs> yeah. use apps and utilize phones as well. So there's an entire world out there. So try it out. Yeah. You will find a board game you love. I yeah. promise you. Last question I like to ask designers is why do you make games? What drives you to do this? Well, I, this community. This community is, like I said, a second family to me. I have made some of the best friends that I could ever have hoped for in my yeah. entire life. 
I am always reinvigorated when I come to one of these shows, when I'm able to see my product in the front of other people, them enjoying yeah. it. Um, I've had the wonderful opportunities to travel around the world with this job and to see how something that I made that is put in a box is able to affect someone all across the world. And that just means so, so much to me. And I want to keep being able to give that to people. And that has been giving me so much joy throughout my life. And I want to just continue it. That's great. That's great. Well, uh, Starship Samurai looks great. And uh, excited to try out Neon Gods as well. Uh, thanks so much, Isaac. We appreciate it. Thank you, Drew. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Dixon from Love Thy Nerd here with Cole Worley, who is the lead designer on Root. That's right. Hi, good to be here. Yeah. And uh, so, have you worked on other games before Root? Is this your first game, or what have you done in the past? I think Root's like my fourth, but my earlier games are mostly weird history games. They were aimed at a pretty small audience, so not a lot of people have played them, but I've done games on Afghanistan, on the East India Company. This is my first game for a real general audience. Yeah, so uh, what was kind of the inspiration behind Root? Where, where did you, what made you want to make this game? Well, for a long time I've been watching my friends who are war gamers kind of accumulate all these games, but they couldn't find players for them. I was really inspired by the coin series, which kind of breathed this new life into multiplayer war games. And my problem with them is that they, they tend to be quite long and they tend to be a little complicated. And so I was trying to think about a way to make it more accessible. Uh, then I got a job as a full-time designer uh, at Leader Games, and one of my first assignments was to take a small concept that Patrick had been working on and try to apply it to the, some of the ideas I had been working on. So he basically said, you know, those strategy games that you're trying to make accessible, what have you adapted it to a highly asymmetrical formula like we did with Vast? And then from there, the design kind of generated. And the entire design was basically developed in-house after that point. Yeah, that's cool. And uh, if you had to narrow down to one thing, or actually, let's go back. Uh, tell us what Root is and what makes it unique. Give us the quick pitch. Sure. Yeah. So Root's a game for two to four players. It's a highly asymmetric strategy game. And the thing that it does is everything in the game is player driven. So there are no event cards. There's no random little things that will happen. There are, there's some chaos. Basically, you know, one player is managing a kingdom. When a revolt breaks out, that revolt is masterminded by another player by, playing by a different set of rules. So all the narratives are fully emergent and fully driven by the players. Yeah, I mean, the thing I just add is, if you're looking for an interactive game that's maybe, you like Scythe, but you wish it were more of a war game and less of a Euro, yeah. Root, Root is for you. And I think a lot of people who've been maybe afraid or intimidated or just not into the kinds of World War II games that are characterize most of war gaming, Root is a good respite from that. And it's a, it's a, it, we tried to make it as fresh and as accessible as possible. Yeah, that's great. If you had to narrow down to one value, you hope players step away from their experience playing the game, you know, gaining, what, what would it be? What, what one value do you hope players gain from their time with the game? You know, I usually tell people that the essential mechanism of the game is emergent partnerships. They're going to have to be friends with people they don't want to be friends with, and then they're going to have to break a friendship that was working really well. There are no kind of natural pairings that falls into. It's all about managing those sort of shifting responsibilities. Yeah, yeah. Is that something you've always been interested in, like these kind of deep strategies and, yeah. and, uh, and unique player interaction? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the, in the games that I work on, interaction is paramount. I don't start with a mechanism. A lot of designers I know will kind of come up with like a cute way to manipulate a deck or a board or something. I start completely opposite. I want a system. I imagine like, how do I want the players to leverage each other? And then everything else comes from that. Yeah, yeah that's cool. 
another question I like to ask designers is why should people play your games? You know, what is it about your games that, that you know, what, what is it that's in your games that pe people are missing out if they, don't, if they don't check it out? Sure. Well, I think for Root, I can answer that question pretty straightforwardly. A lot of games about empire and growth and states, they're kind of old-fashioned in the way that they approach history. And I come from a background studying it professionally, and I put a lot of really contemporary political theory and economics inside the game. And so if you want a game that you know, is a civilization game but with a really odd bent, that follows, that is a lot closer to like current literature, you're gonna find it in Root. It may not look that way because it's dressed up with a bunch of really cute animals, but it really approaches its subject completely differently than something like Twilight Imperium or Eclipse or Scythe. Yeah. Cool. And uh, last question I like to ask designers, what, what drives you to do this? What, what gets you up in the morning to make games? Well, you know, I started as a teacher and a writer, and I was doing a lot of research, and I started encountering things that I wanted to communicate to my students that weren't best expressed as a lesson or weren't best expressed as a book I could write. And so my first games were things that started as articles but actually needed to be games. I think the game as an art form is really well suited to certain kinds of topics. And so everything that I make as a game only works as a game. Whenever someone comes to me and they say, oh, we want to make a video game adaptation, I say, you, you can't. Like, th this was made as a board game for a reason. So I'm really attracted to the kinds of stories that games can tell, and I want games to lean into their strength. Yeah, that's cool. That's great. Well, uh, we've had some fun playing Root already. It's really great. Uh, people can find it now. It's in stores and online. And Yep, you can. So if you pre-ordered it, we're going to have those ready for Christmas. Um, if you had a pre-order earlier, we do have a second printing. The little tiny stack behind this banner is the last of North America, but the new reprint will be coming out in January or early February, and the new expansion, or not the new expansion, the Riverfolk expansion. Both those will be available in stores throughout the winter and spring. Great. Well, we, we had a blast looking at it, and uh, thanks so much, Cole. Thank you very yeah. much. Hey, Drew Dixon from Love Thy Nerd here with Justin Swigert, and you are with Czech Games. What is your role at Czech Games? I'm the, I run North American operations for the company, so everything from conventions, distribution, everything. Yeah. And you guys have put out a few games that people might have heard of. Give us, give us like, a quick rundown. I mean, there's this... I mean, there's this not very well-known game called Codenames that's kind of working its way out in the market. Uh, but the, some of our other titles are Galaxy Trucker, Through the Ages, Zolkin, Alchemist, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we got to chat with Vlada one time at, at, uh, at Gen Con. Uh, I know you've gotten to obviously publish a ton of his games that are really, really great, like Codenames. Uh, but here at, at Gen Con, one of the big stories is, is Trap Words. Tell me about Trap Words. Uh, Trap Words was our release at Essen this year, and it is um, a dungeon-themed word-guessing game where um, each team has a word that they're trying to get their teammate to guess, and their opponents know what that word is, and they've written down a list of words that they're, that they're not allowed to say, but you have no idea what they are. So you have to be very creative on how you describe that word to your team, because if you say any of the words that your opponent wrote down, your turn's immediately over. So if you can get your team to guess the word, then, then, then you get to move one step further in the dungeon, and the goal is to get to the boss at the end of the dungeon and beat the game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you hope players gain from their experience playing Trap Words? Like if you had to narrow it down to one thing, what do you hope they gain out of their time with it? Um, laughter. Laughter and fun. I mean, that, that's the main thing. I want to see people who laugh at each other and, you know, yell out when, the, when somebody write, you know, triggers a trap word or something like that, but that's, that, 
that's what I want to see more than anything else. It's just people just laughing, having fun, making fun of each other, making fun of each other's words, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Uh, and kind of related to that, why why should people play the games that you guys put out? Why why play why play board games? Oh, why not play board games? Yeah. Is actually the better question. Um, the, uh, the, why, yeah, why not play board games is the better question uh, because. One thing I love about it, and one thing that I think I'm blessed about being able to work in this industry, is creating things, putting people out there where they can disconnect from their phone, they can disconnect from the internet and everything else going on on, on in their lives for at least a couple hours and sit down with some friends and family and just have fun. Yeah. And that and that's the whole point. Yeah. Uh, and is there sort of like an underlying value behind all the games that you guys put out, the Czech games put out? And, and if so, what would it be? Um, just honestly, I think one one unique thing about our games is just uniqueness and creativity. I mean, if you look at, of course, everybody knows who Vladya is and how different every single one of his titles are, and that's one thing that we're looking for when we're looking at for at at publishing new games is just how unique that game is and how we think that it can differ from different things that we've put out. Instead of us putting out the same types of titles all yeah. the time, we're always looking for something different to do. Yeah, great. And last question I like to ask uh, developers uh, is why do you make games that drives you to be a part of this industry and do what you do? Um, I actually, um, one thing that kind of stroked me to, uh, to be involved in this industry is about three years ago I actually started volunteering for Czech Games Edition at Gen Con and Origins and stuff like that just as, just as a volunteer and I immediately got hooked into it. I had been probably out of gaming for a decade. Or more. I just kind of fell out of it, went on, did different things in my life, and then when this opportunity came up to actually start helping out this company I'd never heard of before, and at, at Gen Con at, at 2015, um, I didn't have a badge, so I figured why not go, and that's when we launched Code Names, and I spent that entire Gen Con teaching people how to play Code Names, and from that moment, just seeing how people loved the game, how much they were in just enjoying being there. Just what you know, everything that's great about Gen Con, yeah. you know, it just I completely fell in love with it more than I ever had been. Yeah. So then, from that moment on, I knew I wanted to work in the industry full time. And last year, I was actually lucky that CG hired me full time. Yeah, that's wild. So I just decided to go to Gen Con, and then now you're and here. Then it's history. His yeah, and then the absolute rest is history. If yeah. you would have asked me back then if I ever thought I'd be working for a company making board games or doing something as cool as this, I would never have believed you. Yeah. Cool, that's great. Well, uh, thanks so much, Justin. It was great uh, seeing yeah. Trap Words. We're really excited to see it. It just, basically, by the time people see this, it will have just come out, right? Yeah, it's, it's on its way to distribution right now, so you should start seeing it trickle into stores here in the next couple weeks. So definitely keep an eye out for it. Awesome, great. Well, thanks so much. Kids. Yeah. I'll say that. How old are your kids? I have a seven-year-old and a four-year-old at home. Oh, me too. Seven-year-old son and a four-year-old daughter. I have a seven-year, a seven-year-old daughter, four-year-old daughter, and a one-year-old son. So I'm ready to see them as well. Yeah, I miss them terribly. Yeah. And uh, so it's nice to be at these things, but as, as it winds towards the end, I'm like, okay, I leave tomorrow. I'm like, I just want to get home. You know, yeah. I work from home, so I'm with my daughter all the time during the right. day while my son's in first grade. So. Uh, I'm definitely like, okay, Jones going to get back home. I'm glad this is the last convention yeah. of the year. I just want to get into the Christmas thing. But, but before that, we're going to be going hard getting this ready because this kickstarts the first week of January. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, where, and where are you from? Where's home for you? I'm from uh, Plainfield, Illinois, which is, I'm outside Chicago. Okay, cool. So the the, town, the company's from Seattle, but 
I work remotely. I'm in yeah. Chicago. And what's your role with Calliope? Director of fun. Nice. So, here, Calliope. Calliope. Okay. Calliope. Yeah. I bet you get that a lot, though. I get it all <laughs> the time. All the time. And in fact, I have people are like, oh, I love... That's what it means to climb up, is that what he said? What's that? Cali... No. Say it again. Calliope. Calliope. And what does it mean? Well, Calliope is... She... Uh, well, you can kind of see her over here. She was a Greek goddess. Okay. Uh, well, muse, actually, is what she okay. was. So she was uh, the muse of entertainment and fun and things like that. There so, so the company is named after the Greek muse of fun and entertainment. So that's how you got your title. Mm -hmm. And if you think those those wagons at um, circuses that are like, oompa, 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 yeah. those are Calliope wagons. Oh, okay. So everything about Calliope is usually just kind of fun, happy yeah. stuff. So that's cool. what we're all about. That's cool. Yeah. So that must mean your job is only ever and always fun. I am the director of fun. That's my official <laughs> title. Yeah. That's awesome. Director yeah, of fun, right, man. It's right there on the right card. Right there on the card. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So my, my job is always fun every moment I'm not working with Zach. Yeah. Well, that's intentional. <laughs> He's the yin to my yang. There you go. No, nice. no. It's all, it's, I, I would rather be doing this than just about anything else. I've done many things in my life, and this yeah. is... One of the most wonderful things. Tell us about the new Zero game, Phoenix Rising. Give the new, the, okay, so kind of the quick pitch. Yeah, absolutely. So Zero Phoenix Rising. Um, so let's 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 take this thing back, right? So um, the original Zero is a lot of people's go-to gateway game. You know, yeah. it's the easy one to introduce people to the the wider world of games. Um, very simple to learn, plays very quickly. Um, and then we have Zero the Seas which uh, introduces a random element, the dice and the daikaiju, which can come around and eat you while you're on the board. Right. Um, a lot of the things that people said about the original Sir was, I really love this as a gateway game. I just wish that there was a, maybe a little bit more to it. You know, some people yeah. think it's perfect, and, and it is what it is. It's great. Right. And some people are like, I wish there was just a little bit more. This one goes in a different path than Sir of the Seas. It's not a random element thing. Yeah. What this one does instead is it introduces a little bit of a puzzle aspect to it. Because in this game, you are phoenixes flying through the sky. There are these glowing paper lanterns. And every time that you touch one, it becomes a new star in the night sky. Okay. So you are darting between these different things as phoenixes, nice. trying to score enough stars to form a new constellation. Okay. So whichever phoenix gets seven stars first is going to win. Yeah. So in this game, um, you get to play tiles to create your path, just like yeah. you can in every Suro game, but you also get to manipulate those tiles. You can rotate and you can flip them. When you come up to them, uh, if you reach a dead end on your next turn when it comes around, if there's a tile in front of you that you've dead-ended against, you can rotate it and flip it and manipulate it. Okay. And then you can create a new path and you can move. Yeah. And all of that is possible because the board that we're using in Suro Phoenix Rising is, is unique. It's new, yeah. it's patented, it's brand new, and it allows you to move tiles around without influencing the tiles around them. You're not going to be bumping into things yeah. and messing everything oh, okay. up. Nice. So that's that's one of the great things about this. The uh, uh, board is amazing. The Phoenix Pawns are incredible uh, sculpted miniatures. Yeah. There's uh, there's lantern pieces which are going to be all individually shaped. Yeah. Uh, it is absolutely a gorgeous production. Yes. All the Zero games are very beautiful to look at, which is always nice. Yeah, we had to keep that going for sure. And the cover image was done by our art director, Andy Hepworth, and he did an amazing job. Yeah. So if you had to narrow down to one thing that you hope players gain from their experience with Zero Phoenix Rising, what would it be? What do you hope, what value do players get from their time playing it? I think what they would get out of their their time playing this is, is that they got to make some really interesting decisions um, that challenged their thinking a little bit because 
you can't just uh, stay on the board in yeah. this one. You have to be thinking a little bit about, you know, how do I stay on the board, plus how do I get to the lanterns? Also, your phoenixes, right? Yeah. So everyone gets a life token. If you go off the board, you can strategically choose to come back once per game elsewhere, yeah. you know, because you've been reborn right. as a phoenix. So I think the main thing people get out of this is it's still an easy game to grasp and play, yeah. but it gives you a little bit of deeper thinking, a little bit of a puzzle aspect to it that the other Suro games uh, haven't had yet. So this is a new feeling for Suro. It builds on the foundation that existed, yeah. but does it in a really cool new way that, that cool. gives people something to really sink their teeth into. So one of the things that you talked about I think is interesting about, I always, I always want to say it wrong, Cal Calliope. Calliope. <laughs> I want to say Calliope now, but it's Calliope. I've got it now. I got it. That's, that's like the European way. Calliope. That's, that is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's oh, really? true. Yeah, okay. it's just so, so you say Calliope, you say whatever you yeah, want. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but you know, you talked about you wanted your games to sort of be whimsical, to be fun, to, to um, you know, and I think there are some people that like don't make time in their daily lives for that kind of thing. And maybe even look at board games as like childish. Um, but, like, I, that's not me, of course, but... I was about to walk away. But no. I'd be curious to hear your response to somebody who kind of sees it that way. How, you know, wh why, why do games matter? Why do board games matter? Oh, that's, that's a great question. I think um, board games matter because these days there's tons of games out there to play on your phone and all over the place. But being able to sit across the table from people and interact across a board game yeah. is amazing. And, and one of the things that Calliope is here to do is, listen, we, we live in a busy world, right? So people are, they don't have a lot of time to sit down together. So all of our games are meant to play in less than an hour. Because if you don't have a lot of time to get together, we're going to give you, you know, we, we, don't, we don't just make games, we, we make memories, right? Yeah. Because we want to give you the thing that you're going to sit around a table and do together. And if you don't have a lot of time, that's a fa you know, families, friends, whatever it might be, we want to give you something that you can sit around, have a good time yeah. doing, and make a few memories. And then that's the stuff that you're going to remember more than sitting on a phone and doing this and yeah, you know tapping. Right. And you know that you're not going to remember that when you're when you're old and gray. You're going to remember the times that you sat around with your friends. That's right. So for us, it there's nothing more important than the experiences that are that are created through these games. Yeah. We we love the games. We think that they're amazing. But really, all of our games, the main point is. Get people together around a table to look at each other, smile with each other. You know, those moments where something happens in a game and everyone goes, oh, you know, and explodes like that. Those are things that you talk yeah. about and you remember. Right. And so if we can facilitate that with our games, we've done our job. That's what Good. it's all about. Yeah, that's great. And the last question, this is kind of related, but uh, why do you make games? What drives you to do this? Money. No, 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 not really. No. That. No, believe me, if it was, if that was the motivator, this, yeah. no, 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 no. It's, it is. It's about bringing people together. Yeah. The mission statement of our company is to bring people together yeah. and and make memories. Yeah. And that's that's the whole reason that we do this because yeah. there are many, many other ways that you could go if you want to yeah. be rich and everything like that. Yeah. This is not a, an industry for, a, this is an industry to yeah. have people get together and have some fun. Yeah, I think there's uh, some people that think they see a show like this and all the cool games and things and they assume that like there's a lot of money in board games. And the reality is there's, like if you want to make a lot of money, go make a mobile game, right? But I think the, that's what's special about these places like PAX uh, and Gen Con and that kind of thing is that the people who are here really love yes. it, are passionate yes. about it. They're doing oh, it yeah. because 
giving people fun, memorable experiences matters to them. So I really yeah. appreciate your, your perspective on that. That's yeah, I, we, it's it's amazing. It's kind of like being at camp when we get together at these shows. Those of us who are in the industry, yeah. we love seeing each other. We love sharing things. It's a very um, inclusive environment, and it's yeah. a very supportive environment because at the end of the day. We're not here. It's not big business. We're not wearing a bunch of suits and ties and yeah. doing that stuff. That can happen in certain places, and certainly in this business, it can happen sometimes. But all of us here on this floor are helping each other out because we want people to sit around and play these games and have fun and keep this hobby going. Yeah, that's great. Well, thanks so much, Chris. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey gang, this is Chris, the Chief Executive Nerd with Love Thy Nerd and co-host of the Humans of Gaming podcast. I'm in your ear holes right now to tell you about a raffle that we're doing with LTN. Now, this ain't your granny's church raffle. Well, maybe it is. I don't really know your grandmother. But anyway, we've got our hands on three pretty rad items for your holiday season. So we're talking Dice Throne Season 2 Battle Chest. We've got My Little Scythe, and we also got our grubby little mitts on a PS1 Classic. Now, all you have to do is buy tickets. Each entry is $10, and you can buy as many as you want. Now, obviously, each entry increases your chances of winning because of math and science and whatever. So, head to lovethynerd.com raffle and get your tickets. Now, we're running this thing through the end of the year, so you got plenty of time. Also, bonus, if you are one of our monthly financial supporters, we're straight up giving away a PS1 Classic to someone randomly. doesn't matter if you give a dollar a month or a million a month. Everyone's got the same chance to win it. Now, LTN is a nonprofit organization, so all the money raised for this raffle will help us continue creating great content like this podcast and find more ways to love and serve our nerdy neighbors. Thanks for listening, and go get some tickets. All right, so Nozomi, is yeah. that how you say your name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Nozomi. And what's your last name? Uh, I'll be Okay, cool. Nice to meet you. And uh, where are you guys, where are you from? Uh, Tokyo, Japan. Okay, and, uh, and you work with it- Iten, did I say it right? Yeah, Iten, yeah. Okay, and uh, tell me about, your, about Iten, what kind of games do you guys make? Uh, we make mainly uh, wooden components dexterity games. Uh, one of our uh, major titles uh, is Tokyo Highway, which uh, is uh, released globally this year um, in um, Christmas. Um, yeah, uh, we have other titles including Here Comes the Dog, Hatsuden, Ponkotsu Factory, and Tribe. Yeah, yeah. And so you just showed us Stonehenge and, uh, and Here Comes the Dog. Really fun uh, dexterity game. Stonehenge, you're trying to Pass this ball, the sun, but through through Stonehenge without hitting any blocks down, kind yeah, of kind yeah. of basically. And then tell me about here comes the dog. Here comes the dog. Um, you're basically trying to uh, tame dogs that are in the wild um, while defending yourself because they can turn wild in in case uh, the fire goes out. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, if is there one thing, if you had to say one thing that you hope players get out of their time playing your games? Out of their experience playing your games, what would it be? Um, just enjoy ourselves. Um, yeah, that's all. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I'd be curious to hear too. Like, what? Why do you think games are important? Why do games matter? Why? You know, why do get? Why? Why should people play your games? Um, I think um, 
our games or any uh, any games that are out there. But we hope ours too would um, help connect people and um, spend quality time with your you know friends and family. Yeah, yeah, that's what it helps to do. I think. Right. Yeah. And uh, last question I like to ask designers is why do you make games? What drives you to, to make board games and tabletop games? Um, I think we, we simply like making games. It's fun. Um, it, it helps uh, connecting people. Uh, I think it's lovely. Great. Yeah. And uh, Stonehenge is about to launch on Kickstarter, right? Yes. It's going to be launched uh, in two weeks. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's our first Kickstarter project and uh, it's something that's new to us. Uh, it's a new challenge, uh, and it's um, very exciting. Yeah. And then uh, Here Comes the Dog is available now. Is that right? Yes, it's available now uh, on this fair, PAX Unplugged, and um, it's available now in Japan, and some stores also sell it in Europe and the U.S. And then Tokyo Highway, you were telling me, is going to be available in North America soon? Yes, it's going to be soon available. Yeah. And where's, what's the best, people, best place for people to go to find your games? Um, Asmodee um, handles it in Europe, in North America. Um, I think you'll have places uh, online that you can order them. So, yeah, I, I think you'll have no trouble. So. Cool. Well, thanks so much. It's nice to meet you, Azomi. Nice to meet you. Hey, Drew Dixon from Love by Nerd here with Mark Spector and Josh Capel. They're with uh, Grand Gamers Guild. Grand Gamers and, Guild. Uh, and, and that's your, you, you work with them, right? I, I am there? Grand Gamers Guild, you yes. You are Grand Gamers Guild, that's awesome. Yeah, I and, work with them. Uh, yeah, and you're, the, and you're the designer of this game we're here looking at, Artemis Project. I'm not the designer, I'm the developer, and I'm the graphic designer for this game. I'm off to a great start. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's now, okay. um, give, give me the quick pitch. What is the Artemis Project? What makes it unique? So, uh, Artemis Project is a dice placement engine builder game about the story of colonizing Europa above and below the ice. Um, it is a highly interactive game where you not only have to go after what you want, but your dice are always going to be pivoting off of what other people do, uh, both before you and after you. And perhaps the most unique mechanic is what we refer to as exposure, where if you uh, have a big die that you're going after a lot of resources, that's great and you might get them, but lower dice are going to displace you. And the energy, minerals, and uh, colonists that you collect that get you the things you need to win the game all function off of that exposure and dice displacement mechanic. So that's something that we feel is fresh and new, and most gamers go, oh, wow, I have not seen that before. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool element that the designers came up with, and we've uh, worked to highlight that within the game with the graphic design and especially with the development of the gameplay to focus on that stuff. And so if you had to narrow down to one thing, what do you hope players gain from their experience playing the Artemis Project? What do you hope they get out of their time with the game? I think they're going to have a unique experience that tells a story that, uh, you know, has not been told before. I mean, in terms of the setting, Europa as a moon of Jupiter is actually considered to be a possibility for having life in the real world. And so we took a spin on that story and uh, looked at what it would be to colonize it. There was actually a real-life Artemis project that looked at colonizing not only our moon and Europa, and so the designers uh, took it, and we uh, developed that story and made it into a game. Yeah, the thing that I feel is most interesting about the game is the mechanism they described, but also there are a number of places you can put your dice, and the way that your dice function in those areas is different from the other areas. So you're, whether you have a good roll or a bad roll, there's no such thing in this game. Your dice are going to be useful in one capacity or another wherever you put them. 
high dice are going to get you a lot of stuff over here, but lower dice might bump you out. Lower dice are going to get are, to, are going to guarantee that you get something over here, but you're not going to get very much of that thing. So it's really very balanced. No matter what your dice rolls are, you do have something good that you can do with them, and you can manipulate them in certain ways to be able to have maximum efficiency all around the board. It's really a very good exercise in uh, maximizing the resources that you have available to you. A lot of fun too. That's cool. And uh, another question I like to ask designers is, why should people play the Artemis Project? Why should they play this game? What are they going to, you know, what, why, why should people get, to get around the table and play a board game? Well, generally, they should get around the table and play a board game because it's fun and it's a chance to, you know, dig at each other. I mean, this game is kind of cool in that you can play really nice, but if you have a very snipey group, you can outdo one another time and again and totally stick it to each other. I think that's actually one of the features of this game is you can play it either way. Yeah. Um, you know, in terms of why Artemis Project specifically, I mean, it's a nice sci-fi setting. The art is amazing. The graphic design it really just puts the polish on, uh, on what we've created. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Cool. And uh, last question I like to ask people in the industry is why do you make games? Why do you do this? I'll let you take that one first. <laughs> um, I do art and graphic design for games because it lets me uh, make a living off of something that I enjoy doing as a hobby, so it's, uh, it worked out perfectly for me. Um, games, uh, to me, it's just the reason that I got into board gaming is because I'm able to blend together the thing that I like to do with the thing that I'm very good at, which is making games make better sense on the table. So for me, um, the work that I do to a game isn't just to make it look pretty, it's also to make it function better. So every single decision I make, that's, uh, it has to be balanced between making it look better and making it function better as well. And with Artemis Project, I think we've captured that really well. It's a really beautiful game that shows you how to play it by what's, you know, what's on the table in front of you. Yeah, yeah. well, it looks great. And uh, yeah, we can't wait to check it out. Now, it's been funded on Kickstarter. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, is it, when will it be available? Uh, we're going to have it out to backers. The plan is still to have it in May. We are 100% on schedule right now. And then it'll have its release at Origins in June. You can still get it on Backer Kit, and if you're uh, into bling, you can still get all the bling, all the nice miniatures, the metal tokens, and everything like that. Mm -hmm. Great, cool. And uh, where can people follow you guys? Sure, so you can find me at grandgamersguild.com. You can find us on Facebook at Grand Gamers Guild, and uh, Twitter and Instagram at Grand Gamers Guild with no vowels. Um, or just go to the website, and all the links are there. Okay, great. Well, thanks so much for showing it to us. We oh, appreciate it. Yeah. Alex, what's your last name? Uh, it's Alex Flanagan. Okay. Yeah. And where are you from? Uh, San Antonio, Texas. Cool. Yeah. And you uh, have designed several games, right? We were looking at uh, some of the, your portfolio. Tell us about some of the games yeah, you made. Yeah. So uh, when I first brought to the table was the Tenth Floor. It's a mystery game that a uh, murder mystery game that I developed because I didn't. I I, I like Werewolf, but there wasn't enough of content in there where there's a social aspect where I think he's bluffing but I wanted to have some mechanic there that would lead into, like I can base my at least some of my decision off of. So yeah. I, I developed that one. Then El Presidente, that's a social game where one plays as uh, El Presidente and he's surrounded by his inner cronies and then El Elites on the outside. And every turn, uh, the El Presidente must distribute the wealth of the, the country to one of those people to keep yeah. him satisfied or they overthrow him. So it's like, a, that's a really good social game. It's, yeah. yeah. Those are the two, but I, again, I, I've been working on so many games in the past year. Uh, I mean, I'm working on, uh, I can't say it properly, Naruto. 
Okay. Yeah. Is anybody else saying? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Seven, the, seven Deadly Sins, uh, Avatar, pretty much all the top licensed ones right now. So. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely hitting it big. Yeah. And all those with Golden Bell, right? Yes. Yeah, Golden yeah. Bell all the way through. Yeah. Cool. cool. So, how did you get into making games? Uh, it was a passion of mine when I was a child. Uh, I would make games about like Zelda. And I also did. I made a board game for Mario Party. Yeah, that's where it like, originated from. And honestly, I always felt like it was I shouldn't chase this idea. And honestly, life has only led me continuously to game design. I didn't want to, like, I always felt like it was a waste of time. Like, uh, so, you know, stay in school. I went for piloting, then for programming. But every single step, uh, every hill always pushed me back to game design. It always, it's always brought me back. And then, again, thanks to... Uh, um, uh, thanks to Ryan. I forgot Ryan, Ryan Guerra is with me Ryan. here. Yes, yeah. he he landed me a job for with Golden Bell. It was it was all thanks to him, really. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. So Ryan Guerra is one of our uh, our bros with Love Thy Nerd, one of the guys that that works with us quite a bit. So that's that's really cool. It's a great story. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. you mentioned a second ago that uh, you were worried that making games would be like a waste of time, or that or that was it making games or playing games that you thought, where did that come from that you felt like it was a waste of time, I'm um, curious. Making games, like yeah. uh, it would always go, I would draft them, it would go into, you know, after the concept phase, it would go into like alpha, but it would never get anywhere from that. And until maybe when I was 27, uh, I decided to go fully into it. So I, it not just like for capital, every yeah. time, it was all intensive. So I made that push finally when I was 27 and that's, yeah. Met Ryan, yeah. and everything and it, changed. Yeah, and then now I, I work for Golden Bell, so yeah, yeah. yeah. it's tough. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, again, I never thought I can get a legitimate job yeah. with game design, yeah, so yeah. yeah. But you're living the dream now. You can say that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can, you can yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, what what drives you to make games? Like, why do you why do you why do you make games? You know, I, I always ask myself that dozens of times, and it's just it's it's always been persistent. To always just continue designing games. If I think about it, I can make it into a game. It's just I, I never stop. Yeah. Yeah. And I wish I knew. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's just. I guess you guys would call it passion. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I've been trying to get away from it, but it just keeps chasing me. So yeah. yeah I I've been trying to get away from it like a, a bad addiction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'd be curious if you have like a, a core value that you hope people gain from their time playing your games. If you had to narrow it down to one thing, what do you hope players gain from their time? In the games that you make, again, always a good time. Uh, sense of always develop to the market because everybody has their own opinions. Everybody has their own uh, what they consider fun. Take that mechanics. You know that yeah. some people like to develop a strategy while they play. So I always best thing I've ever learned is develop to the market. Whatever you're designing for, that's that's your target audience. Play testing, 110 percent. Yeah, you want to at least go over like 300 play testing reiterations. It's never going to be what you designed it in the beginning, uh, especially if you're going to work for a company. You know, don't get too attached. You know, but be proud of what you work with. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's know. great. And then uh, last question I like to ask people sometimes is is why should people play games? Like, sell me on you know because there's some people out there that think about games the way that you did yeah. for a while back. Like it's a waste of time. Uh, why should people play games together? Uh, the only thing, uh, are you talking about games in general or like general. board games? Board, and, board games. Why should people play board games? Okay, um, the social aspect. I mean, people like playing games, but you sit in front of a table, uh, you know, they're direct. You're physically there, so all that body. It's like playing online poker versus playing real poker. It's definitely a different story in that, yeah. And again, it brings friends together. Most of the times, it's just something to do, like family game night or uh, just, yeah. yeah. 
Well, thanks so much, Alex. Enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. it was a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. And where can people find you online? Um, you can find me on our Facebook, uh, Golden Bell, as well as uh, my Facebook, Alexander Flanagan, if you just want to stop by and say hi. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Alex. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Adrian Dixon from Love Thy Nerd here with Kyle Nunn, and your role with Alderac is? Sales manager. Okay, cool. And uh, you just showed us some really cool new games. Yes. Um, tell us about, uh, let's start with uh, the, the building game that we just looked at. Yeah. So it's Tiny Towns. It's our uh, big quarter two release. It's going to be super exciting. You're basically doing resource collection, and it's uh, on a four by four grid. So you have all the players get to take turns picking which resource in each player. So you take uh, the master builder, who is the first person to go in every round, is going to get the choose the resource, and everybody's going to take that resource out of the communal pool and put it onto their 4x4 four four board. And then using a mix-and-match set of buildings that all are, that have the same representation meeple, but a different rule set and different build rules uh, that start at the beginning of every game, you're going to have a randomized set of those, and you're going to use the resources to build those. Yeah, yeah. and uh, if you had to narrow down to one thing, what do you hope players gain from their time playing uh, Tiny Town? Uh, I think the biggest thing is, it is uh, it's a lightweight strategy game, but the biggest benefit is there's almost no downtime between rounds. It's not like you're going to sit down and play a game of it, and most of your time is going to be spent waiting on somebody to do something. It's yeah. always going to, you're always going to be engaged with the game. And it's easy to teach, but it's got the depth of a, a more strategic game. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. cool. And then we also looked at Scorpius Freighter. That's a, another new one that's about to come out, right? Like just in a few days. Tell me about that. And what's the, the, the quick pitch on that game? So Scorpius Freighter is an interesting game. It's a, it has a lot of mixed uh, game styles. So you have a, a board, a freighter board, where you upgrade your storage and upgrade your equipment. And you have to manage that by moving around the board in different places to pick up cargo, to improve your freighter, to do these all these different things, to make your crew better. Uh, you also have got a limited amount of times that you can go around the board because once you go around too many times, the game comes to an end. Uh, so it's pickup and delivery at its heart, but it's not. Uh, so it, the crunchiness is in all the moving pieces and how... Like, Nobody is intentionally going to screw the neighbor on this one, but it's going to be a, oh, well, I need to do this, so sorry. It's going to happen. I don't want you to deliver that contract. Right, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to move this around the board so you can't do that. But it's always going to leave somewhere open on the other side of the board. So what's, what do you hope players gain out of that experience? What, what's kind of the driving, the driving value of that game? Uh, the driving value of this is the crunchiness of it. Like, it's... Uh, it's obviously got the space freighter theme. Uh, you're going to feel like the, the the dude that's just Brent taking it to the government. Uh, but it's the it's the it's got a really crunchy feel, like, but it's still keeping it light. Like it's a lot of fun to sit around a table and play with it. Uh, it does have a little bit between turns, but you're going to be spending there going, all right, if they take this, I'm going to take this. If they take that, I'm going to take this. Yeah. If nobody moves this, I'm going to cash all of this in and win the game right now. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's cool. uh, And uh, last question i like to ask people in the games industry is why do you make games? What drives you to, to be a part of this industry? Uh, we want to have fun. We want to make fun. Yeah. Uh, the biggest driver is to bring families and friends and everybody together and let them play good games. Yeah, that's great. Anything else that uh, Alderac's putting out that you would point our... Our, uh, our audience do? 
Uh, Thunderstone Quest has been a recent release. Uh, it came out in November. Uh, it's fantastic. It's a deck builder and dungeon delver. It's so much fun. Uh, if you may be familiar with the first one, uh, yeah. but we just completed the Kickstarter for the second one, uh, and the retail release just came. Awesome. Great. Well, thanks so much for your time. I really enjoy, always enjoy checking out your booth, uh, and uh, it was a great time here, so thanks so much. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Al. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Humans of Gaming. I hope you've enjoyed the series through PAX Unplugged with these designer interviews. Be sure to go check out lovethynerd.com for more uh, great articles, podcasts. We've got three podcasts with Love Thy Nerd, including this one. We've also got a new uh, comic book podcast called The Pull List. We also have Free Play, of course, which is kind of um, our community slash nerd culture podcast. They dig into all kinds of things. It's a great show. Go check that out. Um, and uh, don't forget to check out our raffle. There's still time to go buy a ticket for that raffle. Um, you could win My Little Scythe. You could win um, a battle chest with Dice Throne, a Dice Throne Season 2 Battle Chest, which is like a $100 value. It's awesome. You could also win a PlayStation 1 Classic. So some great prizes of that. Go go get a ticket. And uh, by doing so, you'll be helping support Love Thy Nerd. So if you believe in what we're doing, if you like this podcast, yeah, I just encourage you to, to support us. Show us by simply buying a wrap and you could win some, some really cool prizes. Um, that's basically it for me here. Uh, we'll see you again next week for a regular scheduled program. And until then, uh, Merry Christmas.